The financial needs of a business go beyond tax and attest services. That's why CTBK goes beyond accounting services and offers outsourced solutions through their affiliation with CFO Solutions Plus. These additional services allow clients to focus on their operational and long-term strategic goals. Trust CTBK's outsourced solutions to provide cost-effective, value-added financial services tailored to your company's needs. Call CTBK at 716-630-2400. Again, 716-630-2400. Or go to ctbk.com to learn more about CTBK's outsourced solutions. Welcome to another episode of Tim Graham and Friends brought to you by CTBK. Today, I have no friends, at least not... uh, when it comes to co-hosts, Jonah Bronstein, Matthew Fairburn, uh, both uh, unable to make it for, for good reasons. That's their story to tell. I'm not going to say why, but we'll leave that up to them. Joining me today to carry the load is Scooter Vertino. He is the Senior Vice President of Programming and Production for Turner Sports and NBA Digital, which would include NBA TV, NBA.com. He's a big deal. Scooter Vertino joining us. Lifelong Bills fan, longtime friend of mine. I have no idea really what we're going to talk about. I know some, I have some topics, of course, but I have no idea what we're going to center on. We'll find out as we go. Scooter, <laughs> thanks for doing this. No, that sounds great. Thank you very much for the kind intro. Uh, I'm a big fan of TGAF um, and, uh, uh, you know, maybe one day I'll, I'll do it with the AFs. Uh, and I wanted to see if I had, you know, throw some business to the Bronstein International Conglomerate, but maybe there's, you know, time and place for everything. And, um, you know, a huge fan of, of all that Matt does because he is an incredibly talented writer. So um, hoping to, uh, you know, as you said, shoulder the load um, and just, uh, I believe the kids call it chop it up. So thank you for having me on. <laughs> yeah, we are going to chop it up. Um, Scooter and I have a lot of shared interests and, uh, we've been uh, friends for a while and, uh, we like to chat uh, about this and that. So let me ask, are you home? You're home right now, right? I can tell by your, you got your, uh, you got some signage in the background for LaSalle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. your yeah. beloved LaSalle. Uh, beloved. but I should say that there are deep, deep roots in Western New York for the Vertino family. Um, your dad being from here. So you were, were raised as a Bills fan. Uh, your uncle having uh, a, a, a connection, uh, a, a mighty connection at Canisius College. Um, and this, that, and the other. Uh, so Scooter Vertino is a Western New Yorker, I think. Uh, it's in his DNA. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. I think, I think that's the, the most accurate way to say it. Uh, but yeah, my, my father is from Buffalo. Uh, my grandparents for the longest time lived around the corner from St. Joe's. Uh, you mentioned my uncle Nelson, uh, who was, uh, is connected to, uh, in, connected to Canisius. Um, he and my dad both went to Canisius high school together. Uh, so yes. And then, um, uh, having never lived there, I, 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 you know, yes, it's in my DNA. I feel like it was my duty to pass it down to my son who is, you know, like three generations removed uh, and has been to Buffalo one time, but he lives and dies with the Bills. So, you know, it's just, a, a, you know, just kind of the, the best, best of all things at this point. Now, your son's 12, right? 
He is he is 12. Yes. I should know these things a little bit more quickly than that. But yes, he's 12. <laughs> so uh, so he's 12. It's a fun time to be young and a Bills fan. He didn't go through a lot of the darkness. So he's he's seen his team go to the playoffs uh, three times. Uh, his quarterback is a lot of fun to watch uh, and is at the cutting edge. It's probably cool for your son to be a Bills fan right now. I, I, I would say that. I think that's an accurate, uh, accurate statement. Um, uh, last year, first day of school, he did wear the Josh Allen jersey. Um, so, uh, but he, it, it's interesting. You're right. He hasn't, he didn't suffer through the drought like many of us, right? So um, I remember having a, a, a neighbor, uh, a good friend of mine come over who was a, a Canisius High School alum uh, to watch that, that game against Miami. And then, of course, uh, I think it was CBS was slipping back and forth with the Baltimore game. Um, and when, uh, when Ron, my neighbor, and I were jumping up and down, he enjoyed it, but I don't think he understood the, the, you know, the whole waterfall of emotions that was, you know, overtaking the, the elder statesman in the, in the room um, when, when that occurred. But, yeah, he, he does love it. But I, he also, um, uh, you know, he, he asked for, uh, you know, for stuff, you know, like Thurman Thomas stuff, you know, like so he, he likes the guys now. Uh, but I think whether it's via me or just the fact that, you know, 12 year olds are a lot more advanced than you and I were um, that he also sees the successes of the past. What, you know, during the, during the Kelly Thomas Smith Reed era. You, you mentioned that about how advanced a 12 year old is now in terms of his access to the past, if he wants it, right. If he wants to, but for you and I, it was, or at least for me anyway, I had to go to the library every, every couple of weeks and see what, football books they had on the shelf you know I was checking out the uh the sporting news annual football register every couple of weeks just to to go through it and take a look at stats um from the past or who's in the league now and those books I don't even know if they exist anymore because you don't need them uh but everything uh, he can look up let's see he you know there's news today that Daryl Talley's uh number is being retired at West Virginia um so that ends up on his radar on a whim. He can just say, well, let's take a look at Daryl Talley. And within 30 seconds, he, he can see all about Daryl Talley's career and uh, how good, how great he was and why he deserves to be on the wall of fame and all that. Uh, Whereas you or I, if we wanted to learn about for me in Cleveland, it would be um, trying to think. I, I can't say Jim Brown because everybody knew about that. Who would be an, an equivalent? It would be if I wanted to learn about uh, um, Milt well, Plum, it, if I wanted yeah. to find out if Milt, how good Milt Plum was, I had to go to the library. Or if you wanted to find out, uh, let's see about this Booker Edgerson uh, right. that your dad would talk about. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. That was different deal. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. For, to try and find out more about Cookie Gilchrist. Right. So, yeah, I, I the one thing was uh, growing up in D.C. because uh, that's where I grew up or outside of D.C. They had a um, uh, I, I knew a little bit about the 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 history, you know, pre O.J. I think that's where kind of everyone kind of picked up with the bills was when was when, you know, he he kind of elevated their uh, uh profile right i think everyone you know he was he was much watched tv 
um, you know, a player of that magnitude, that talent, that status would have been, you know, now that's a viral sensation. Back then it was, you know, you might catch 12 seconds on Monday Night Football with Howard Cosell's voice in the highlight. And, and so that, that was it. Or the Pro Bowl, because um, that was the one game that was, that was on, on TV. But in, in D.C., there was a, um, a, a get-together uh, that was um, uh, a, a bunch of Buffalo, you know, transplants, because um, D.C. is a very transient city, obviously, you know, and, and, and so it was, I think it was run by um, Jack Kemp's office, um, and it was called, it was called Buffalo Night, and it would be, you know, you bought tickets, and people would go, and it was just to, to socialize in that area, and it was, you know, um, you know, I remember my dad going every year, and it being a big deal, I never went, it was, you know, an adults-only type of thing, but, but, um, you know, I, I remember getting an autographed picture of, of Jack Kemp and, and hearing all about, you know, the war stories of when he played. And uh, the big highlight was everybody went and there was like beef on wet, right, which is not a delicacy that you get in northern Virginia. Um, so, you know, I kind of had an idea of what those guys meant um, to what was going on. And I, you know, had, had read about those teams. But yes, to your point those annual books, those yearbooks, whatever. I remember going to yard sales and like buying them for like 50 cents if somebody had them out, even if they were, you know, even if it was 1981 and they had the 1976 version, I still wanted to read about, you know, Mark Van Egan or whoever it was that, you know, was, was at the time, you know, or, sorry, let me, let me refer Calvin Hill, right. You know, th to check out, you know, his exploits, um, you know, between the Cowboys, the, uh, the Hawaiian Islanders, the, at the time, the Washington Redskins or the Cleveland Browns. So yes, uh, times have certainly changed. And if you're a 12 year old and you're a Bills fan, you're sitting pretty right now. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. I, we'll, we'll circle back on the Bills, of course. Uh, but, uh, I'm sure your plate is full with, uh, the NBA, uh, semifinals, uh, now that, uh, the Phoenix Suns have advanced and, now trying to figure out if uh, Milwaukee or Atlanta uh, will be uh, who they face. Um, I guess I'll just, we'll just do broad strokes. Your, your thoughts on the series so far uh, through your lens as, um, as an executive at Turner Sports. Um, the, the basketball has been fun. Has it been good for business? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the playoffs are great. I mean, in our world, even without LeBron James and without the the star power, without without Steph Curry, yeah, I mean, there's never going to be that perfect matchup. There's just you know everyone wants to go back to Celtics Lakers of the '80s, um, because they were you know they seem to be on these collision courses and destined to play one another, and you had East Coast West Coast, and you had major market. That was great. That was great, but times have changed, and 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 the ability to accrue success and keep that in your organization is much tougher, I believe, than it was back then. Uh, you know, I, in the in the two thousands, Nike had a big campaign with their puppets, and their puppets were LeBron and Kobe, because they were destined to play one another in the NBA Finals. They never did. Dwight Howard got in the way. They played the match. You know, so so things. Things, things evolve. And so, um, yeah, look, LeBron, LeBron draws a big audience um, and the Lakers. Uh, Stephen Curry and the Warriors draw a big audience. Um, but there's, there's, you know, the, the Clippers and Suns are just fine. 
you know, and, and, and they played a, a pretty dramatic series where if you're a Suns fan, you finally were able to exhale last night because you've seen how the Clippers just wouldn't die, even without their best player missing for games on end. Um, and, and so, you know, I don't want to speak for Disney or, or ESPN, but I mean, I'm sure those, those games did great for them. Um, and it, it, it is pretty cool because when I was much, much younger, I played against Monty Williams in high school. So I, I, it was always kind of, kind of cool to see that he had scored, uh, we scrimmaged them and the, the, I guess the scrimmage before us, he had scored 40 against famed the math of high school. And so we were, we were on edge when we played him. Uh, and we wanted to play in a, a six quarter scrimmage. It was kind of, I think that that, you know, I don't know why they did that. I think it was just to one game wasn't enough. Two games wasn't, you want to get a, a lot of run, uh, but he did not score 40. Um, Even in and, six quarters. No, we had, we, we, our high school had uh, two, uh, two All-Americans, two McDonald's All-Americans that played his position. So. Um, Buter Vertino and who was the other? Right, exactly. No, they, uh, George Lynch, who played at North Carolina and then played in the NBA for many, many years, uh, most notably with the Lakers and the Sixers. And then a, a guy named Aaron Bain, who played um, at Villanova in the, uh, in the mid 90s. Uh, and was uh, was an excellent player in his own right. So he, he, I think he was kind of up against it a little bit, but a terrific player and unbelievable. His story is incredible uh, of perseverance and overcoming incredible tragedy. And it's just, it, it does show that, that good things happen to good people. Uh, and I'm not trying to discount the hard work he put in or the acquisition of Chris Paul in the offseason. Uh, but it, it is pretty amazing to see, um, you know, what he has overcome to lead that team to the finals. It's, it, it's incredible. Um, you know, in the East, what we root for, like as, as you know, sports execs, is long series. The, lo the longer the series goes out, the more compelling it is. Uh, that's where it's better for business. If you have the, you know, to your point, if you have the Lakers for four games and that's it, I'm not sure, you know, they sweep whoever it is. I, I don't think that's necessarily going to help you um, from a business perspective. So, you know, the fact that we have a series that's knotted up at two, um, we have the potential for seven, we're going to get six, um, I think is great. Now, pardon me, the, the injuries are a concern because you certainly want to have that known. I mean, it's obviously a concern because guys are hurt. You never want to see anybody hurt. You want to see teams at full strength, and I'm sure – a lot of people were breathing sighs of relief when the news of Giannis's injury came back and there was no, you know, I believe they said there was no structural damage, which is, which is great from a long-term perspective. Then the question becomes, you know, how quickly can you recover? And look, you've seen this with the athletes you cover, like guys don't want to miss games and they certainly don't want to miss playoff games. You don't, you, you kind of have to figure out a way to thread that needle of protecting an athlete from himself or herself where, you know, they want to play injured, um, because they feel it gives their team the best chance to win or, you know, whatever, whatever that, whatever that, the, the, the case may be. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're thrilled that it's a long series. Um, you know, we would love to see, you know, guys come back and play, uh, but certainly understand the, the gravity of the situation at the same time. So that's kind of a, you know, kind of a catch 22, but, but, having new teams in the mix is not a bad thing. You know, like it, it, 
you got to introduce the, the audience doesn't know what they don't know because maybe they haven't seen these teams play that much. Um, and, you know, Atlanta, it wasn't that long ago when Atlanta was firing their head coach and, and trying to salvage a season. And now they're two games away from the NBA finals. Like, um, you know, and then you look at Phoenix who hadn't been in the playoffs in a decade, you know, speaking of droughts, as we talked about earlier, haven't been in the playoffs in a decade, they make the playoffs and they go to the finals. Like, I don't think, you know, your, your, your prognosticators, I don't think we're, we're laying those odds, uh, you know, back in December. When the Milwaukee Bucks were sold not that long ago, and they it broke a record, you know, much like the Bills did. The Bills were at the bottom of the NFL hierarchy when the Pagoulas bought them for what still was a record sum, even without a stadium, breaking the record of when um, Stephen Ross bought the Miami Dolphins with a stadium, uh, just to show what sports uh, teams are worth. But anyway, when the Milwaukee Bucks were sold, uh, and people were rolling their eyes because the Bucks at the time were the laughing stock of the NBA. And that was just a, just a few years ago. And of course, Giannis Antetokounmpo comes along and changes things, wins a couple MVPs, and, and he's that type of um, program-changing talent. But yeah, it, you're, you know, the Clippers were, all four teams really that, that reached the semifinals were jokes not that long ago. <coughs> well, you're, you're right. I mean, if you think about this, the Hawks made it to the conference finals several years ago. I think it was 2017, maybe 2018, got swept out by LeBron and the Cavaliers. They then tore it down. They basically, they, they cleaned house. That team was uh, Al Horford, Kyle Korver. Um, I believe Jeff Teague was on the team. Um, you know, uh, Paul Millsap. Um, uh, Damari Carroll, like th that was a really good, strong, veteran-laden team coached by Mike Budenholzer, who coaches the Bucs. And um, the Hawks decided that they needed to pivot. And so, you know, they needed to start building from, not, not from scratch, but, but figuring it out. And, and look, it wasn't that long ago where the Hawks were getting vilified for the Luka Doncic trade, where they traded Trey Young and the rights to a pick, which became Cameron Reddish, for Luca. And Luca, look, Luca's a fantastic player. He looks like he's a generational talent. Uh, but if you're the Hawks, you got to be saying like, "Hey, we're still playing," you know. And I know different conferences, different matchups, and things like that. But um, the Hawks definitely, definitely took took some large steps. And as far as the Bucks with Giannis, uh, you know, kudos to them for understanding what he was bringing to the table when they drafted him. Um, you know, I think a lot of us have seen the footage of a skinny kid playing over in Europe. Um, and, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it's the ability to, from what I've been told, it's the ability of those talent evaluators when they draft someone like that to understand how hard is that person going to work? Because so many kids that come out now, they have talent. It's going to be what differentiates them. And obviously Giannis, you know, you look at his body, you look at his game, everything about him has improved. And, you know, there's no way that happens, um, you know, if, if he's not an incredibly hard worker. Um, and so, you know, there are different ways to, different ways to, to skin a cat. And, and both of those teams, uh, you know, went about it differently. Um, but, uh, you know, now they're both knocking on the door. So 
um, you know, in, in the NBA or other sports, like, I, you know, you hear all this all the time about, you know, should you build through free agency? Should you develop your own talent? Um, and I think you've probably seen this. It's, it's no one has the right scientific mix, but you know it when you see it. So, yeah, in that case, it's been a lot of fun to see, but, but probably for the NBA fan, for the casual fan, what about that aspect of your job in terms of programming and wanting good matchups? Now, you and I are a little biased. We're in sports. We pay attention. But when it comes to this time of year, when it comes to events like the World Series, um, probably to a much lesser extent, the Stanley Cup finals, um, where you get the casual fan who wants to tune in and see big time basketball, but they tune in and they have no idea who Chris Middleton is uh, or they get a glimpse of, you know, Chris, Chris Paul, who's a, a popular player and he's in the state farm commercials. Uh, and then, uh, and then maybe have a very negative opinion of him based on watching him get shot in the back of the, the head last night. Um, the assassin's bullet that took him down, um, uh, you know, uh, yeah. anyway, so you get fans with these, ca- with these very casual, yeah. uh, as, um, uh, takes, I guess, uh, they get mm-hmm. an opinion like real quick because they don't know these guys. Like you were just saying, uh, they don't know the arc. Um, what's, what's the challenge there for, for you as a, in terms of production to making sure that the non hardcore NBA fan, um, really gets what this is all about. It is our job to, I don't want to say educate, but it's our job to inform the viewer about why they should watch the game. It's our job to, to tell the story of, you know, Devin Booker, you know, a, a guy who went to Kentucky for one year and didn't start, you know, uh, I, there are other reasons why that didn't happen, but like that, that is a unique situation. It, it's, it's, you know, it, it's, it's our job to uh, break down, you know, various storylines and narratives and, and things like that. And look, and, and people, people may like who they like, like there's, and, and with social media, you see that as, as things become, uh, you know, they gain momentum and there's, you know, like a, a tsunami of, of uh, tweets about the, the Chris Paul situation from last night. Um, but, you know, as, as broadcasters um, and, and people that are, are bringing the story to the masses, for lack of a, de- a better term, you know, we, we need to understand that the casual fan uh, is joining us in larger numbers than they, than they have, right? So, um, you know, game one's audience is going to be smaller than game seven's audience. And just under, you know, and, and what I would tell, excuse me, what I would tell our folks is, um, A, don't, don't assume anything. Um, definitely make sure we're putting things in layman's terms. Um, and then it's, it's our job to tell the who and, and the why. I think people understand the what. I think that's what, that's Marv Albert's job is to give you the what. But the who we can do throughout the game or pregame or postgame. Um, and, then, and then the why something happened is, is you know, up to, up to the, the uh, color analyst to, to kind of give us a peek behind the curtain. Um, but in the end, it's our job, uh, no matter if it's the Hawks or the Lakers, to give people a reason to watch and a reason to stick around. Um, and and that's, that's, that's our job. And that doesn't change – um, that's, that's regardless of sport, 
how do you, I guess maybe uh, I'm getting a little too technical, but that's why we have you on here. We can get into these types of subjects. People can fast forward a few seconds if they want. <laughs> but when you have, how do you weigh, maybe there's even some sort of science to it. Um, when you have a smaller market team like Milwaukee, even though Giannis Antetokounmpo is a two-time MVP and people know him, but yeah, you probably haven't seen him as much. You don't, you, and he has such an interesting story. I guess, conversely, you don't need to tell LeBron James's story um, nearly as much at this stage of a series or deep into a, a, a tournament. Um, and yet he is a two-time MVP. I guess, how do you feel, like, do you need to constantly reset the stars like this? Or uh, what's, the, what's the line that you do without getting too cloying to the fans who do know all about Giannis Antetokounmpo, but you also still have this great story that you need to, and I'm just using him as an example. Sure. Um, but when you have, uh, you know, a smaller market team, like you say, that's now in the spotlight, maybe they, maybe the casual fans saw him play twice before the playoffs. And now he's on their screens every other night. Well, the, the Bucks and I, I apologize for not knowing this off the top of my head. The Bucks were on their fair share on TNT this year. They were on quite a bit. Um, so because of him and because they're a good team, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you could go back to as far back as you want, but I'll give you another example of like Kevin Durant when he was at OKC, um, you know, those teams rated very well and OKC is a very small market. So it, it, it doesn't always correlate to market size. It's not necessarily like the NFL where you kind of throw that out the window with your green bays and Pittsburgh's and Buffalo's, but um, it's, it's, it's not always apples to apples. What I would say is with Giannis, because he is a two-time MVP, because he's been defensive player of the year, um, you know, he's incredibly popular. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but I would imagine that his rookie card is, is very valuable. Um, maybe we don't have to tell his story as much, but there are other guys on the team that contribute and maybe you tell their stories a little bit more, right? So, a Chris Middleton, who is a, an incredible, um, you know, score shooter. Uh, he'll represent the United States at the Olympics this year. Um, you know, maybe get a little bit more in the weeds on his story. Uh, a Drew Holiday, um, you know, who is on his, I want to say his third team, um, but is, you know, what is referred to as an elite two-way player. Uh, because he, you know, he, he is an incredible defensive guard. Uh, and I would say it's probably more of a combo offensively. Um, but he has an incredible story. His, his wife is a member of the U.S. women's national team for soccer. Um, and, and he and his wife have done a lot of uh, uh, charity work supporting uh, minority-owned businesses and, and things of that nature. So there, there are other... Pat Connaughton, who is not on the same level as Middleton or Drew Holiday, uh, but Pat, Pat Connaughton, uh, I believe, came into the NBA as a second-round pick with the Blazers. Um, but before that, he was playing minor league baseball for the Baltimore Orioles after his career at Notre Dame and was thrown in the high 90s. Um, you know, it, shot, it actually shocked me that, that he chose basketball over baseball because it, it looked like he was – he was on the fast track. It, very what do you briefly. think would happen if, if uh, he threw a basketball at Chris Paul? What do you think, what do you think would have <laughs> had, would Chris Paul have vaporized? 
in that uh, instance? I, I, yeah, that 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 we're, we're we're happy that that cooler heads between those two would probably prevail. You wouldn't have okay. to have that. Just out, yeah. just out of curiosity, I did. I didn't yeah, see. no, I, I, that, that's a fastball. Yeah, your mind was working there. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I uh, upset your train of thought there. But you're right. That's uh, that's no, a no, great no, story. Just, yeah, just there, there's behind all these guys. There, there are, uh, you know, there there are various layers of, you know, of of where they came from and and what they, you know, I mean, Nate McMillan for the Hawks, um, you know. He averaged a triple-double when he was in junior college. Then he played and started NC State. He was Mr. Sonic. He, he coached in the Pacific Northwest for a long time. You know, he eventually matriculated to the Pacers. Um, they signed him to a, a contract extension last year and then fired him after they, they lost in the, the first round in the bubble. Um, and, and, you know, the Hawks brought him in. I, I think Lloyd Pierce, the head coach, actually brought him in as, as his lead assistant, and Nate was a little hesitant. I believe. And then, uh, and then uh, when Lloyd Pierce was let go, um, I think the Hawks kind of talked Nate into taking the job. And, you know, I, I'm not sure the last time a Nate McMillan coached team actually got out of the first round. And there are reasons for that because there's a very good chance that those Nate McMillan coached teams were a much lower seed. And so the talent gap would have been, you know, astronomical at times to think that they were going to, you know, upset someone. Um, so anyway, it, it's just, it, even the coaches have, have, you know, layered backstories that there's, there's a, they are there and it's up to us to, to tell those stories along with the balls going up and down the court and you're getting fewer whistles, uh, cause guys are guarding without fouling. And, you know, it, these are all the, the, the juggling act that a, a game producer has to, has to go through while, you know, while getting from, you know, jump ball to final buzzer. Scooter, I, everybody likes to hear these stories, so I don't want to miss an opportunity for you to share and anything you want regarding NBA uh, on TNT. Um, people should know, and I should have included this in your intro because it is such a feather in your cap, uh, that um, Scooter is the uh, Bill Polian of uh, NBA on TNT, the architect. <laughs> they always like to throw – anytime there's a GM involved, he's always an architect – uh, but that's your show. I mean, that is uh, Charles Barkley and Ernie Johnson and and Kenny Smith and Shaq and, and the whole thing. Uh, that's your show. And you're in the Broadcasters Hall of Fame because of it, um, among other things. But um, I guess I don't know if it has to be a timely response when we talk about it regarding that show as it pertains to these series as it's going on right now. Uh, so maybe I'm taking a little bit of a, of a detour. Um, but what's, what's it like working with those guys? And does it really, does, how does, how, let me ask it this way. How has it evolved? Because I'm guessing with big personalities like that, as much as there probably is a template in place, it doesn't, there's probably, it's too organic. I think those people, I'm assuming that to contain those people and to assume that it's the same crew or the same guys as they were two years ago, hell, two months ago. Um, but what's it like uh, working with these guys over the years? Well, all right. So let me, let me correct you a little bit. I, I love taking the credit, but it, 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 it's probably a little misplaced as to who the architect would be. Uh, and I do appreciate uh, all the work that Bill Polian put into the bills. And uh, of course, 
uh, Brandon Bean doing the doing yeoman's work now. There was uh, a Norm Pollum. Norm Pollum drafted Jim Kelly. Bill Polian didn't. I mean, but uh, there there's, you, you know, it's uh, Bill it, Polian it, didn't draft Daryl Talley. It's it's like Rod Thorne drafting uh, Michael Jordan and then Jerry Krause putting the rest of the team together. So yes, uh, yeah, no, just, but just to tell you, like, um, you know, I remember. <laughs> I'll give you a little bit more backstory there, but I do remember early in Charles's career at, at Turner, maybe his first year I was produced in the studio and Charles was getting his number retired in Philadelphia. And so, you know, they just said, you know, do you want to go with him and, and bring a crew and shoot it and then we'll air it or, you know, the next night or whatever it was. And, and so, you know, we went and we did it. And um, I remember asking Charles, like, you know, where, where are you going afterward? And I believe his response was something along the lines of, so you want to party with the Chuckster? And um, so we <laughs> went to some, but here's the thing. We went to a bar. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, you think about, you know, it wasn't like, you know, pulsating music and, and, you know, lights and everything. it was, it was like just a bar. And, and it was, you know, there were, there was probably about 10 of us, I guess. Um, and then after midnight, the Pacers had played, I guess, I don't know who they had played that night, but they had flown into Philly to play the Sixers the next night. And so Reggie Miller showed up, uh, you know, future coworker. And, and so, you know, we were all, we were all there. Uh, there was a, there used to be a gossip columnist for the Philadelphia daily news. And I, I can't remember his name. Um, uh, and, and he had, he wrote something the next day or two days later about how, uh, and this shows you how Charles hangs out with people. And it said Charles Barkley and his no-name friends partied the night away at, you know, Bob and Steve's roadside grill or something. And uh, I was like, I'm one of those no-name friends. Um, <laughs> there, there, was a, there was a gentleman who actually hired me at Turner. Um, his name is Michael Jackson. And Michael's background was he played uh, for the John Thompson powerhouse teams at Georgetown. He was the point guard with Patrick Ewing. Then he played in the NBA for several years with the Sacramento Kings. Um, after that, he went and worked at the Olympic Committee uh, and then transitioned to, to Turner. And, and Michael was, I mean, it, it, there were several people involved, but Michael was the driving force behind. Now, to your point about Jim Kelly, when Michael got there, Ernie was there, Okay. And then Michael hired a bunch of people behind the scenes. Tim Kiley, who is legendary production figure. Lenny Daniels, who came from ESPN as a director, now is the president of Turner Sports. So, you know, I don't know who his equivalent with the Bills would be, um, but he's a Dolphins fan. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, and, then, and then, you know, myself, a uh, gentleman named Deaton Bell, who does a lot of our creative um, and so Michael was kind of building this stable of people behind the scenes and also working to bring in, you know, the talent in front. So he played with Kenny Smith with the Sacramento Kings. So he knew Kenny had, you know, acumen and the gift for gab. Um, he played with uh, Danny Ainge. Okay. Danny Ainge was a longtime analyst for Turner Sports. Um, and, and so he knew of these guys. And, and I don't know how many of the folks watching this or listening to this watch the inside story, which is kind of the behind the scenes documentary of inside the NBA. But Charles talks about a dinner he had with Turner folks 
um, after he had committed to going to NBC. And Michael was the driving force behind getting us Charles Barkley. I remember him telling me, like, he's like, I think we have a chance. And I was like, you know, because at that point, MB the NBA on NBC was enormous. And, and, you know, they had big names. They had, you know, Costas was their face. Um, you know, it was the heyday of the Jordan era Bulls. Um, why wouldn't he segue right into that? And, and Michael um, and a couple other people, including a, a gentleman named Mike Pearl, who was our executive producer, sold him on the ability to come to Turner and it's not going to be X's and O's. We'll have that and the NBA talk will drive it. But if there's things that you want to talk about, we can do that. And we're not going to restrict you. And, and that's, that's the world we live in with Charles. It's like Charles, and, and by the way, all of our, we don't tell our analysts what to say. So our guys know going in, if they feel strongly about something, now we want everyone to be factually accurate. When Charles said Jeff Teague played for the Hawks, we have to correct that. Uh, but for the most part, you know, like, you know, guys can, if, if you feel a certain way, like, and, and you see that, they, Shaq and Charles and Kenny rarely agree. Um, and to your point about, is it organic? How does it work? Um, it is because those guys, aside from Ernie, aren't involved in the daily production meetings for the shows. Ernie is, because Ernie needs to know how to get from A to B to C to D. Um, you know, Ernie is that traffic cop. Although Ernie will point out that he is a traffic cop, which I also think kind of doesn't quite give him the credit he deserves. But he says, I'm the traffic cop who then waves you into traffic. So there's a fender bender. And that's what he likes to do with those guys. <laughs> and you can see it on his face when he's got a little twinkle in his eye because he knows he's going to drag somebody into something that, and they don't see it coming and then bam, and it's great television. Those guys are not at the production meetings. And I give a lot of credit to Tim Kiley, who, um, you know, was longtime producer and now, now is, you know, an executive and, and, you know, helps oversee the show. Jeremy Levin is the actual line producer who puts his heart and soul into, into all the shows. And, and part of not having them at the production meetings is so that their reactions are going to be genuine and it's not rehearsed and it's not, you say this, then I say this, even though there's that famous video of Shaq saying it goes one, one, it doesn't go one, two, one, it goes one, two, three, or whatever you say when they skipped him during a, a discussion one time and he got pissed. Um, so, you know, that, that's kind of how, how it, it comes together. It's an extremely collaborative effort behind the scenes where a good idea can come from anyone and anywhere. And I, I think you see that, and I'll, I'll give you an example that it's not Turner related, but it hit home to me one time. Uh, NFL Network had football lives, right? Um, those documentary one-hour bios, which is, I should point out, it's not as exciting as their top 10 list where I would often see you as a talking head or maybe a, <laughs> maybe a very uh, youthful Mike Silsky um, talking about, you know, I, I, uh, the, uh, what was it, the illegal forward pass in, in Nashville? Um, yes. or, yeah, or where that falls. Anyway, uh, I remember they did one on Steve Sable. Uh, they, is, they, uh, they use me a lot on, uh, on, on the drive on John Elway too. They, they tap into my, uh, my native Clevelander status. Uh, so it's not, it's, I get bills and bills and Browns a lot. Got it. Got it. Okay. So they, 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 the, the, the football lives, which are, you know, really well done. Um, they, they did, uh, uh, one on Steve Sable, who's a legendary figure in our industry and, and changed the way a lot of things are done. And, and, and um, 
I'm, I'm dating myself, but he, he said one night he was, he was in the, I don't know if he was in the Cherry Hill, I think is where NFL films is, is located. And he, he was in right. the office late at night and he had, I think he had the projector going. That's how long ago this was. Right. And he's watching bloopers. And there was a, a janitor who was vacuuming the offices and he, he walked by and he, he saw him doing it. And he's like, you know, those would be even better with funny music behind it. And, and that's how football follies was birthed. Now, you know, I don't know how many people understand how successful that was with, you know, VHS tapes and DVDs and specials and all that, but it just shows you that a great idea, you know, can, can, can emerge from anywhere. And that's the beauty of what insight is, is that those ideas can come from anyone on the production crew, from the, the most senior executive to the, the greenest production assistant or production manager or a runner or whomever it is. And I, I'll give you another example. The, the one element that has kind of taken on a life of its own is Charles Barkley's guarantee button, where he hits, I guarantee it, and he hits the button and something happens. Like there was balloons falling out of the sky. One night there were ping pong balls. One night there was a dog that was catching a Frisbee. Um, there was a, a circus came in one time. There was a, a marketing, uh, someone on the marketing team, a guy named Oscar Pope came up with that idea. Now uh, I, I digress. Oscar actually passed away recently, tragically. Uh, but that was his baby. And, and, it, and it just shows like that, that those ideas uh, can come from anywhere. And, it, and I think for Turner people, that is actually a nice reminder of, of Oscar's legacy. Whenever that happens is that that was his, that was his idea. So that's a long-winded way of kind of taking you through a, a nonlinear discussion of, of the, the um, origins of, of inside the NBA, but really it is a, a collaborative team effort. And I think that's what, what makes it, what makes it special. Is there any emphasis or pressure for Turner sports to try to replicate your success with the NBA, with your new NHL deal? And do you, do you see executives, whether you're working on it or people that, you know, who want to borrow a model or say, we can't do this. We need to stay away from this. I guess. So how do you see, uh, being a part of a network as it's shaping a already established league. Uh, you know, you're not, this isn't uh, the, the uh, AFL or anything like that. This is an already established league with its traditions. How, how, how do you see that uh, evolving? Um, it is. Uh, uh, it's very exciting. Um, and, and you know, look here. Here's here's the um, where we stand, right? So we we it, it's not just the NHL because we we've, we've had the same comparisons with our MLB programming. We've had it with our March Madness programming uh, when we had UEFA. Uh, you know, there there was um, a discussion about that as well. The success of Inside the NBA is great, and and there's nothing. On those great nights, there's really it's very difficult to compare. Um, but I don't think look we want to have we want to have shows with the NHL that are um, you know lend to credibility, passion, enthusiasm, and um, you know ideally 
uh, you know, growing the fan base. And so, you know, I, I think it would be, I don't want to say foolish, but unrealistic if we think that we're going to be able to come out of the blocks and, and do something that is, you know, the, the same as what inside is or, or in the, in the ballpark, because whoever that host is, whoever those analysts are going to be. Um, and I know there's been a lot of discussion about Wayne Gretzky um, with us is like, those people have to be who they are. And so, um, you know, it, 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 it's just up to us to figure out a way to make them successful. So I, I'll give an example uh, Tuesday night NBA is not Ernie and Shaq, Charles Kenny. It's, it's Adam Lefko, it's Candace Parker, it's Dwayne Wade, and it's Shaq. And so that, that, those shows take a different tone, a different direction. Um, you're painting a different tapestry. Uh, and, and, so, and that's with the same sport, right? And, and so I, I would think that the NHL, um, also the difference with the NHL is you have the 18-minute intermissions, right, between the, the first, that's my follow-up question because in some ways the nhl studio is maybe more important or it anchors your broadcast more than an nba broadcast would and i'm not i'm saying that in very general terms because i think the obvious counter to that is inside the nba is the anchor to any nba broadcast but but I guess, I guess uh, maybe I'm, I'm tricking my or I'm, I'm confusing myself here. But I think in general, the, that studio portion of an NHL broadcast is so critical to maintaining your audience. Uh, right. Because as soon as intermission comes along, everybody's grabbing the remote control, whether it's a great game or whatever, because they feel like they have time to go check in on something else and get back without missing anything of the game. So to hold that and to do it twice within the span of, you know, the first puck drop to the final horn, uh, you have to do it twice as opposed to once. Uh, I know, I know it's a, it's, it's a totally different animal. It is. And, and it'll be, you know, it'll be a challenge for sure. I mean, that that's, it's, it's, a uh, it's a new territory for us, but that's, you know, that's what it is. You know, like we, we, we want that challenge. We want that responsibility. Um, and as we continue to build our behind the scenes folks, um, along with the, the consumer facing talent, um, you know, which probably when I say talent, I mean, announcers, um, you know, that th those all have to, those all have to kind of, um, uh, be part of the equation. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it is, it's, it's unique. Right. So that's 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 where we have to kind of figure out what is going to be the equation to keep those folks. Um, and, you know, it doesn't it also doesn't mean that. Whatever formula we use first day out is that's the formula we use for every day from here on out. Um, if there's anything we've learned from our other sports and our other ventures is that, you know, um, change is inevitable and, you know, it's up to us to find uh, the best route for that that's going to make for successful broadcast, both, you know, providing compelling um, uh, content and also, you know, figuring out a way to grow the base. What is Turner's philosophy regarding Canadian versus U.S. teams? And I know that that's something that, uh, you know, and NBC Sports had, you, you could tell, obviously, that was almost always two U.S. teams going up against each other. Um, 
is there any any insight that you can provide there on on Turner's thinking? Because I think that uh, that impacts how many times Sabres fans are going to see their team on on Turner Sports. You know, we have uh, we have ongoing discussions with the NHL because obviously they have quite a bit of input as to what their schedule is going to be and what their broadcast schedule is going to be. Um, and I think I believe the commissioner referenced this before the Stanley Cup. Uh, game one that they're still working through um, the ability or inability, depending on how you look at it, to use NHL players in the Olympics. And so uh, because nothing is set yet, the, the schedules aren't um, necessarily, you know, hit the stamp and let's roll. Like there have to be, uh, you know, certain uh, contingencies built in. That doesn't answer your question, but just to kind of give you an example of where we are, just to give you, you know, some, some context. Um, look, I think that if there's a team that is, or teams that are compelling, that are going to prevent, you know, present something to watch, then it's, you know, as broadcasters, we should show that team. And so, you know, um, obviously, um, you know, the, the Canadians, at worst are going to be the second best team in, in the NHL this year. Right. Which, you know, and, and, and they have a young star, super young star in, in Caulfield. And then you look at, um, you know, somebody that's as talented as Austin Matthews in Toronto or generational as um, McDavid in, in Edmonton. Um, you know, I think that we would be silly not to try and leverage those guys star power um, and, 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 and air their games. Now, the, the, the other question would be, do you put them on against other Canadian teams or do you match them up against teams that are based in the United States? Um, and so that, that's, that's the discussion as, as we go on here as to what would be, you know, what's the best result for something like that? Um, you know, we, we, we kind of deal with it a little bit on the uh, NBA side with the Raptors. Um, but they're only playing, you know, every one of their games is against the U.S. team. So it's not quite the it's not quite the same um, when it comes to that. But, um, I, you know, my, my thinking is if there is um, a team that's compelling, if there's a team that has star power, if there's a team that's hot, we have to have the ability to pivot and showcase those teams. Um, I can't speak to what NBC was doing prior. Um you know, uh, now hopefully, you know, for, as a as a uh, Sabers fan, that they uh, they're able to to build and uh, you know uh, pull a uh, a McBean situation and uh, you know right the ship quickly and and you know if they do choose to trade Jack Eichel, they get they get some pieces that will be um, uh, impactful in return, um, but. Uh, until that happens. So they, they may actually be a, a challenge to try and kind of find a home for them um, because you don't really know where they fall with Eichel, who is, you know, somebody who people I believe do tune in to watch. Um, and, you know, if there's questions as to if he's going to be on the team, then you kind of have to figure out, okay, what are, what are you doing here as far as uh, how many times or how many appearances that, that the Sabres would make. Um, again, it's all hypothetical because, you know, it sounds like they're kind of at a stalemate between, from what I read um, in the athletic, 
uh, Eichel's, Eichel's folks and Sabres management. Let's uh, switch over to your, uh, your first love, uh, the Bills, uh, before we let you go. I, we've been going on a little longer than I thought here, Scooter. Sorry about that. <laughs> Hopefully, I know you, you got a few minutes left, but how do you feel about your Bills? Um, and I'm going to even throw in with what's been going off the field, uh, going on off the field with uh, all this Vax talk uh, for or against. Uh, it's it, everything was going so smoothly. And maybe it is uh, overblown to think it could be a distraction. Uh, but uh, to me, it's not the distraction aspect of it. It's the variable uh, the fact that you're, you're throwing another variable into the mix uh, that other teams might not have to deal with regarding uh, who is and who is not and protocols and uh, all that stuff. That's really been the only wrinkle. Everything, yeah. everybody's coming back pretty much with the exception yeah. of John Brown, of course, and a player here or a player there. Uh, the team's intact. They came within one game of the Super Bowl. They should be a year older and a year better. Um, didn't do as much in terms of acquiring a difference maker. Uh, and this is me talking. This is still the team that got beaten pretty handily in the AFC championship game. So if you felt we need to get better to get to the Super Bowl, I don't know that they necessarily did that on paper. But as I, as I just said, a year of experience can't be discounted uh, with these guys. Just what's your general frame of mind on, uh, on your bills heading into – 2021. I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that Joe Bascalia would probably tell you that you, you forgot Corey Bjorkes. Uh, oh yes, that's right. That is a, that, that's a big change. Yes. So um, I, look, it, it's, it's, it, it's, it's a very odd place to be in that there aren't to your point. It's like, things are going pretty smoothly um, you're just knock on wood, hoping that, you know, guys stay healthy. Uh, obviously it, it, well, let, uh, let me stop you for a second there, Scooter, because you do deal with this in terms of you, this is very much on your radar, uh, with the yeah. NBA. And we just had, you know, uh, whether it's a coach or Chris Paul or somebody, I mean, these, this is, you know, that this is not just a talking point or a, a something to throw out there, right, uh, right. just to get us through the off season for a headline. I mean, these are things that uh, impact teams and you've had to, adjust at, at your work because of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I know what some of the players have said um, with regard to vaccinations. Some, obviously some guys are more public than others. Um, and I, I don't, you know, it is a little, I don't want to say alarming, but it is eyebrow raising that for some reason, the bills are the ones that are kind of out there, whether it's, you know, Josh Allen talking on Kyle Brandt's podcast or, you know, you see um, uh, what uh, uh, Cole Beasley had written. Um, and look, I, those Your guys. Employer and, you know, has been obviously very supportive sure. of Cole Beasley and a bunch of other players. So it's, it's been yeah. a, a pretty, there's been a handful of players, whereas most teams, I don't know if you can, you could probably not find a guy who's said anything one way or the other about it, but on the bills, there seems to be a half dozen. Yeah, no, it, it, it it's, it's certainly, um, it, it gets your attention. Mm -hmm. uh, my, look, my, my thinking would be that, um, and I was very hesitant to throw in with McDermott and Bean when they first took over, I was like, these guys have got to have to show me what's up. 
And I, you know, and that's just as a, you know, a, a fan who was, you know, scarred or whatever, you know, but I, I do feel like those two, especially those two have earned the benefit of the doubt as far as the ability to lead the team, to create the, create the culture. I know we talk about culture all the time, but they have created the culture. They have, you know, their process has worked. And I know that's a, that's a buzzword that they like to use. And I, I, I have faith that those guys are going to be able to navigate these waters with their players um, because they know them and they know what makes them tick and they know what's going to, um, you know, motivate them to succeed much more than I do. And I, you know, I'm, a, I'm as a passionate fan as you can get, but I, you know, I, I'm not in that building obviously. And those guys are. And so that, that's where I, I put my, my faith in their ability to, figure out whatever the distraction is going to be or, or, or what have you. And yeah, you're right. We've seen, we've seen, you know, teams deal with a competitive disadvantage because of, of COVID. And it is, you know, it, it is something that, you know, we all deal with in some form or fashion daily. Um, and so, you know, it, it, when, when you don't hear it, when you, when you see like Pittsburgh, who I think they said everyone is, you know, pretty, compliant with it. And you see, um, I think New England has been all over it. Um, you know, so, you know, it does, it does take you aback a little bit. Um, and so I, I'm not, I'm not sure what, I mean, I know what the guys have said and I've read what they've said. So I, I, I get it, um, what they're saying and, and I know what their reasoning is. Um, but when everyone is trying to get that competitive advantage, um, it is, it is certainly a juggling act that they're going to have to deal with. However, going to my earlier point, I just feel like the general manager and the head coach drive that, drive that bus. And, and I think they, and, and I think, and look, I could be, I could be wrong here too, but I, I do think that, um, you know, the foundation those guys have laid is going to go a long way to the success of this team, COVID or no COVID, because I think, those guys have a plan in place and, and hopefully contingencies as well. What is a successful season this year? What's the, uh, what's the baseline? Well, I mean, I don't, I, don't let me use the word baseline because that, that kind of undercuts, it sabotages my own question. Uh, what is, uh, yeah, what, what's the point where it becomes successful? And uh, well, and what, what point is, if it's, if that's not met, does it be, is it unsuccessful? I mean, I, I, to me, it's winning the division and winning a playoff game. I don't know with their schedule, if that immediately puts them into the AFC championship or not the way that it's been laid out this year. Um, but to me, that's it. I, I, I would hope that they're not, you know, I, I, I would imagine inside the building they're, they're talking Super Bowl or bust because of how close they got last year, even though to your point that that final game was not a close one. Um, but they, you know, the, the, the talent is there. The continuity is there. Um, I was talking to someone the other day about how, you know, there are certain general managers in sports that just are able to come up with creative ways to keep their talent. Um, and I mentioned Bob Myers of the golden state warriors. I think Brandon Bean is in the same class as his ability to, to bring guys back and to figure out ways. Now, look, it, it's going to be a major challenge for him to figure out, you know, how does the Josh Allen extension um, affect everybody else um, and, and their ability to continue to grow? Because as we all know, 
building a, a successful team with a quarterback on their initial contract seems to be less challenging than once they get into the 20s or 30 million a year um, agreement. So um, to me, it's, it's win the division, um, win a playoff game, and then after that, let's, let's roll. Um, but, you know, hope, but, but look, it's always a, it's always a quote unquote war of attrition. Right. And, and I think last year, uh, both Beasley and Diggs were injured at one point or another. Um, I mean, we didn't really know exactly the extent of it. And so those are, those are key, key guys. And, and, and so it's just a matter of, you know, how can they do it? Because I think the bills for the most part last season were really healthy, uh, with yes. regard to Unusually so. I mean, yeah. not even by their standards, but by the entire NFL standard, they were they, they can't count on being that healthy every year. Um, right. right. It's um, it, it's strange to say, uh, especially as uh, much of a, a cynic as I am. But here we are just, you know, four years ago, uh, they were in the, this playoff drought, the longest active drought in, in the NFL. Uh, and I think it's getting close because this team is good enough. It's maybe after this season um, that if they don't get to the Super Bowl, it's going to start feeling like a disappointment to the fans because the expectations have been ratcheted up that much. I think that that's a very grounded opinion by you, Scooter. I don't know that. Uh, <laughs> I think that a lot of Bills fans are, I, if they, if they were even to be as good as last year, as great as they were, yeah. and as fun as that season was. Um, if they get back there, then I think you're going to start to hear, you know, the typical fan mentality of I'm tired of this. I'm tired. I'm tired of not making the Super Bowl. They're not, it's not, it's not, it's not going to be satisfying to make the playoffs anymore. And they're going to start talking about wasting Josh Allen's best years. And, uh, we'll start having that discussion. It it, look, it would be a great problem to have, right? Yeah. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. It's fun. It's fun to say. I mean, it's fun to, I mean, it's kind of a, it's an amusing thought. For sure. And you wrote a, you wrote an article last year and you were like, okay, buckle up. This is something you haven't seen before, but you know, being a McDermott, you're going to get extended. So here's what this, here's what goes into this. And, you know, um, I, I kind of thought it was odd that, that there were some pundits that thought that McDermott had to win a playoff game last year or else he would be, you know, he would be in trouble. I, 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 I do right. think that kind of ambitious on, on that end. Like or anytime you see uh, Sean McDermott on a hot seat list uh, or in the odds uh, for the first coach fired, which I think the, the betting odds had him, you know, fifth or sixth or something like that. And I was like, come on, right. people clearly don't know. Uh, don't know the dynamic. He shouldn't be, he wouldn't be on, he's not going to be on any hot list for years. Well, it, look, he, he obviously is someone whose uh, public persona has got to be a 180 from the way he is in the building, the way his players speak about him and, and the way that, that the team has excelled with him as the coach. And, and look, I, it, 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 we've, we've discussed this personally where it's a complete 180 from, uh, you know, his predecessor, uh, you know, and so, um, so, you know, it, 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 I, I, I'm, I'm more, um, uh, I'm more interested in how he is inside the building than how he is in front of the microphone. I know you got a meeting to get to scooter. Uh, it means a lot to me that you'd give me part of your afternoon to talk about all this nonsense. Uh, well, no, I, now I just insulted you. I just called your career <laughs> and all those things nonsense, but it was, you know, we were, we were just freewheeling. We were that, that's what I meant by it. Um, I, 
to come Anytime. on my podcast with almost no plan other than a couple of bullet points I wanted to hit and uh, and uh, talk about everything uh, that we did. Well, I look, I really appreciate you, the invite. I'm happy to do it anytime. Maybe next time uh, when things calm down a little bit, we can just go in depth on, you know, uh, specific sports cards by sport, baseball, football. But I'm, I'm sure people will love to hear that. If they Absolutely. I, I think that there are whole podcasts and shows going around that. Maybe we'll open up packs. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have a, some sort of competition. Maybe we'll split up a box and see who uh, win, and we'll, we'll rate each other. Well, maybe the winner, winner take all or something like that. We'll have some sort of gambling aspect to it. I don't Sounds know. We'll, we'll kick it around. All right. Get All to right. your meeting. Scooter right. Vertino. Thank Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Thank you. CTBK is more than just a full service accounting firm. They are one team with an innovative approach to accounting and rise to each new challenge with collaborative problem solving skills. CTBK goes above and beyond by lending helping hands in the Buffalo and Niagara community through volunteer work and donations and is partnered up with Victory Sports for 2020 and 2021 to keep kids in the community active. The professionals at CTBK are determined to help individuals and businesses succeed. Whether a large corporation, a small business, or somewhere in between, call CTBK at 716-630-2400. Again, 716-630-2400, and see what CTBK's one-team approach can do for you.